Hi, welcome to Renton Christian Center's Recorded Ministries. As members of the Body of Christ, we offer love and encouragement to everyone. As Pastor Alex leads us through God's Word, we hope you will be lifted and filled with joy as we open our hearts and minds to the love of Jesus and the hope He gives us all. Let's get right into the Word. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10. We're talking about the battle for the mind. And... Um, I settled on a, a graphic that I think is closest to what it's like to come against the wiles of our adversary, the devil, because most of that fighting occurs between the ears with ideas, imaginations, lies, deception, even our emotions, temptation, visual aids. Most of the demonic attacks that come against humans happens right up here. Not to say there aren't things that occur out there in the atmosphere. I know in many cultures around the world, they believe that evil spirits walk the earth and they have manifestations and there have been physical attacks and things like that. So I don't discount those, but I, I would doubt that many people in this room have had anything like that occur. But I bet we've all had battles occur right here. So I really would like to focus on that. And we're going to talk about the spiritual armor, the armor of God. In Ephesians chapter 6, verses 10 through 17, have a, a beautiful, il illustrated kind of sermon that Paul put together for us. And it's a, it's a way for us to kind of imagine ourselves being clothed with defensive weapons in every part of our life. And so he, he puts it this way. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God, so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground, and after you have done everything, to stand. Stand firm then with your, uh, the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. And pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. You know, there are literally six different pieces of armor that Paul goes through there. And we're going to go through all six of those, not today, but we'll start on the first couple. But before we do, there's a whole lot going on before this. Paul's kind of prepping us to be prepared. And, and he gives us a couple of um, instructions on, on how that's to take place. And, and it starts right at the very top. He says, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Those aren't just kind of nice glossy phrases that sort of kick off a new paragraph. Those are actual declarations of instruction. Be strong in the Lord. What does that mean? How do you do that? Be strong in his mighty power. Like how do I get into his mighty power? I'm not gonna like crawl into his biceps and go, I'm in his power now. But what does it mean to be in the Lord and in his mighty power? It's really a very simple concept that, that Paul talks about, not only for spiritual warfare, but for every part of living the Christian life. We're supposed to be in Christ. And 
you can overcomplicate that and kind of wait for some experience to occur, but really all it means is to, by faith, believe the fact that Christ is in you and you are in him. And that is the starting point for your entire life. He's in me, I'm in him, and I declare that to be true about me and to everything and everyone else around me. I am in Christ. And if I'm in Christ, then when God looks at me, A, he sees not just Alex, but Alex and Jesus married and becoming one. And when I'm going to be strong in his mighty power, I'm not sure exactly how that's going to manifest itself, but this I know. It's much greater than the power of my adversary. I have power, period, end of story. No matter how I feel, no matter how things look, no matter how circumstances go, I am in the Lord, but I've got to believe it. I've got to believe that by faith. I have to believe that. Pam and I took uh, our grandkids out on the boat just the other day, and um, one of the things that I like to do is kind of push the boundaries of the girls a little bit, you know, get them out of the boat, into the water, onto a raft, and I remember last summer the big deal was off the raft, into the water with nothing but a life jacket, not holding on to anyone or anything. That was like, wow, huge, courageous move. But this last week it was our first time out, and so one at a time, I, we have this like queen-size mattress that... Uh, we use for a raft. And so I popped that into the boat or into the water, got onto it on my knees, and then I invited Penelope to come. And our new game is we have this like eight foot rope for tying up to the dock. And, and I push us away from the boat and we go backwards. And I say, hang on to that rope. Hang on tight. You hang on to it too, Papa. Okay, I got it too. Hang on to that rope. And as soon as it goes taut, I tell her, Oh, no, the pirates are coming. Hurry, pull us back to shore. And she starts doing this crank, 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 crank. And we do it all over again. Push away. Oh, no, the pirates are coming. I started off saying sharks, but I thought, that's no. I don't want that image, you know, every time she gets to the lake. Oh, great, sharks again. Pirates, that's kind of fun. But what's so amazing is you'd be... You'd be surprised at how much energy that little vision about pirates chasing her gave her. She's like, oh no, the pirates are coming. You see, when you, when you believe something strongly, it literally gives you energy to accomplish things you wouldn't normally accomplish. And, and that's the little tiny example, but that's, that's why Paul starts with, I want you to be strong because it's true. You're in him and you have his mighty power. Then he goes on to say, it's a little background here, uh, that our warfare is not against flesh and blood, but it's against rulers, authorities, powers of this dark world, and spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. So he's kind of listing these entities. Rulers, authorities, are those demons? Or are they like archangel demons, like, you know, heads of demons, and then sub-manager demons, mid-level managers? Or I'm not quite sure what all that, because he's, we can imagine some things. But there apparently is some kind of hierarchy in the demonic realm. He could be referring to some of the dark forces of this world, like the Jewish persecutors who are out to kill him. Government officials who are out to kill Christians. It could have also referred to humans. But at any rate, he's just listing who they are. What really matters in this, this entire paragraph is that they all use the same thing, and they're called schemes. They're called schemes. King James calls them wiles, the wiles of the enemy. And, and, and I love the Greek language. I think, I don't know if I wrote this down or not, but I'll just tell you. The word schemes, it's the word methodia. Sound like an English word? Methods, right. They're just methods. But if you break that word into two parts, there's actually two halves. And it means to travel alongside. 
It's like you decide to partner with someone or something, an idea, and you, you sort of make it your partner. You're attached at the hip. You decide to travel alongside this idea and just kind of, this is now where I'm going. This is now who I am. It's like when a temptation comes and we vote yes, I'm in. And we entertain a thought. It becomes an action. The action results in sin. Sin results in death. We're supposed to hopefully repent and go, God, forgive me, and receive forgiveness and start clean once again. But the initial scheme is to get us to partner with the enemy. Now, you have to think about this because there are a lot of times when people say, um, I'm under attack. I think I'm under attack. Well, join the human race. We all are all the time. The enemy never stops, and whatever God allows him to assail us with, he's going to assail us. That is not a sin. It is not a problem. It doesn't mean you're in bondage. It doesn't mean you're, being, um, you're possessed or anything like that. It simply means you're being given an opportunity to vote yes, and you have a choice to vote yes or vote no. So being under attack is not, not the real problem. It's when we agree and say, oh, okay, sure, I'm going to travel alongside with you. You've fallen for the scheme. You've fallen for the method. So we have to, again, recognize that before we get to this list of all these pieces of armor, that's what we're up against. It's an opportunity to choose to partner with the enemy. If we partner, then, yes, he's got inroads. If we've invited him, you know, written invitation, hey, doors unlocked, come in here wherever you want. You know, then, then you've got trouble with being oppressed. And if not taken care of, eventually possessed, or at least demonized or energized by the enemy. But that's, that's several steps down the road. If we can catch it early and say, okay, I'm not going to fall for it. I'm not partnering. I'm not traveling with you. And finally, the, uh, the word stand is mentioned four different times. Stand. Stand firm. Stand. You do all this and you'll be ready to stand. We have to recognize that most of the battles we face are defensive activities. They're defensive. This is not the time when we are spreading the good news and we're really making progress for the Lord and really offensively taking ground. This is just the defensive time. Just hold your ground. Do not give an inch. Don't let them have any of the space God has granted you. And so if we, if we kind of recognize that Defensive activity is different than offensive. In some ways, offensive is way more work. Taking new territories, striking out on you know, new lands or new areas of life, taking courage and doing scary things for the first time. If we would just remember that, gosh, just holding our ground is a hallelujah, glory to God, victorious moment. It is not small potatoes just to hold our ground. And a lot of us, I don't know how you are, but some of us are kind of just real aggressive in a positive way. Christians, we like to make things happen. And, um, and we kind of get down on ourselves when we don't do anything big today. All I did was hold my ground. Woohoo! No, that is huge. Paul is saying that is kind of the whole point of winning this battle. Just don't give in. Don't give up. So I, I think those things are key to understand. When we were um, playing softball a couple of Mondays ago, I'm in the Geezer League, also known as the Senior Softball League, 55-plus. And uh, we had lost the first game. We played a doubleheader. And the second game, we were behind. 
and we caught up and surpassed the other team. And seventh inning is called um, open inning. You can only score five runs per inning, and then you got to switch sides. You can't just kill people with 48 runs. <laughs> After five, you got to switch. Give them a chance. So anyway, open inning, though. Seventh inning now. So we had open inning. We, we caught up. We surpassed them, and they had the last at-bat. And it was so cool. My, my entire team started saying, don't give them an inch. Just hold them. Just hold them. Just hold them. Don't let anything get by you. Just play conservatives. Just be smart. Just hold them. And it was so cool because this is a good team. Beat us the first time by about 10 runs. We won by defense. It was so exciting. We won the game through defense. And I, I began to understand this is really a big deal. When Paul says, if you can just kind of keep the enemy at bay, just away from influencing you, that is a huge victorious day, especially, wouldn't you say, in this culture, in this day, in this time. So let's just rejoice when once in a while we have a day where, you know, I, I don't think I sinned today. <laughs> but let's just be uh, thankful that there are days when maybe that's all the Lord has in store for us. And if we can hold our ground and stand, stand firm, then uh, we need to celebrate that and say, thank you, Lord. There is a God. There is a God. It came. I didn't give in. It seems to have left for now. There's one more thing I wanted to mention, too. There's, um, yeah, Paul says, um, when the day of evil comes. It doesn't say if the day of evil comes. He says when. He says when. Now, this is what I was beginning to refer to when I said, I've heard some Christians say, man, I'm under attack, and, and I'm thinking, join the human race. When are we not under attack? Um, so it's important for us to say, I am experiencing some strong temptation right now, or maybe I'm just vulnerable right now, and I'm more prone or, or uh, yeah, yeah, more vulnerable to the enemy right now because I'm tired or something, and my defenses are just not up. But it's not that the enemy necessarily is raising or lowering the heat, we're just more vulnerable. So the thing I'm pointing out is don't think that, oh, gosh, there's a whole lot of opposition right now. So therefore, A, I must be a special target of the devils. And so now I need special assistance. I need to go, I need to go get prayer, man. I need, to, I need deliverance. I need oil laid on me. I need, to, I need to sign up for some counseling. Paul's saying, learn to just defend with what God's given you, his mighty power in Christ. Not that you don't ask for prayer, but it, it needs to be not such an event that the enemy has come against me. You know what I'm saying? I'm saying it so that you don't get so discouraged and feel like, wow, I'm just getting beat up, man. I'm just getting beat up. Because generally, if we're feeling beat up, it's because we're not doing something. Or we're voting yes too often. When we have the tools right in front of us, the armor that we're going to talk about, it's not that there's some kind of special heightened attack mode that the enemy's on. Sometimes there is. If you are on offense, those are times you're often going to feel a lot of opposition. When you're taking new territory, ministering to new people in new situations. But a lot of the stuff that we encounter is just everyday life, and we need to just not get so dramatic about it and just go, okay, Lord, what have I allowed to fall to the ground? What part of my armor is missing right now? Second thing I want to do is uh, just recognize that as Paul goes through all of these pieces of armor, um, it's very figurative. It's a huge metaphor, this whole concept. And and yet, at the same time, we have to recognize that spiritual warfare is, uh, um, 
to be taken literally, not figuratively. Now, why is that important? Well, because the imagery is so strong, talking about these legionary Roman soldiers, that it's easy as Christians to begin to think this is going to be a physical duke-it-out kind of battle. In fact, it's been taught, spiritual warfare in the past, as like only aggressive, really nasty Christians are going to win this thing. Because look at what you have to do, man. You've got... In fact, Gary brought a couple of pieces of armor. Here's a, here's a typical Roman legionnaire's helmet. That looks like it would be effective for the most part. Yeah, against the arrows, flaming darts of the evil one. Here's one of the many swords that a typical soldier would carry. Probably not real. It's probably a model, but this, I think, is the shorter one. They have a long and a short one that they all carried. So you see this kind of stuff. You read this imagery, and you begin thinking, man... I don't know, man. This is going to take some really, really tough, aggressive, athletic kind of... I'm going to turn into a madman to win this thing. That's why it's important. Well, yeah, kind of. There is some, obviously, some assertiveness we have to exert. But the battle's still mental. It's almost all mental. It's not about screaming and yelling and stomping and sweating and throwing oil all over the building. It's really just about recognizing the scheme, understanding who I am in Christ, and then beginning to use the concepts of the spiritual armor. I, uh, however, want to say that the imagery still is important. So let's take a look at some of the uh, things they've said. Wikipedia's got a late, uh, great description about a Roman legionary, is what they were called, soldiers. And it says, On the march in unfriendly terrain, the Roman legionary would be loaded down with armor, commonly including a shield, a helmet, two javelins, one heavy and one light, a short sword, a dagger, a belt, a pair of heavy sandals, a marching pack, about 14 days' worth of food, a water skin, cooking equipment, two stakes for the construction of palisades, a shovel, and a wicker basket, about 80 pounds in all. So Paul's, he, he wants to make a point. There is a lot to this defensive armory that we're to put on. But it's not that you're now going to start having to get up every morning and load up with 80 pounds of spiritual junk, <laughs> you know? And you're not going to have to learn how to sword fight and hold this heavy shield and all of that. The battle's still up here. It's what they represent that Paul wants us to focus on. So... I've got a couple more pictures just because images do help. Here's a couple of kind of, you know, artist rendering of what they might have looked like back in the day. I like this one. Shield of Faith, flaming darts of the evil one. That's pretty cool. Shoulder to shoulder, they would march. And when Christians stand together shoulder to shoulder, it's really difficult for the enemy to break through on any of them. And of course, there are women soldiers too. So we have to make sure that the women get in there because this is a metaphor after all. One more thing, and then we'll get off of this part. Um, the reason it's important that we portray the battle as, as being mostly spiritual and mental and not physical is because um, then we begin also aggrandizing the devil. Like he's now this monstrous, ugly beast breathing fire with horns and, you know, slimy skin and whatever kind of horror flick you've seen, like that times 10. And uh, generally, if that's what you're waiting for, 
before you start doing some defensive work, you're not going to ever win any battles because he's going to come in way slicker, way more beautiful, way more kind, way more seemingly intelligent ways than that. So Paul goes on to say, here's how to be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Start putting on your armor. The first one is the belt of truth. Stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist. Interesting. So I'm not cinching up a belt. I'm having to bury myself in what's true. That's my defense. What's true? I love the definition here in the original language. It's aletheia. It's one of those negative participles. The letter A in front of any word means it's the opposite of the following. It means not hidden, not secret, obvious, objective, and real. I was talking with someone last week about when do you run because you're afraid, run away? When do you run toward in spite of your fear? How do you know which to do? I thought that's a great question. Sometimes we're afraid and we run and we really were supposed to run towards our fear, right? Because God was challenging us to do something new. Other times we're afraid and we think we're supposed to take it on and God is saying, no, you're going to die. Get out of here. I mean, <laughs> even Jesus ran at certain times when his life was in danger prematurely. So we concluded the, the way you determine that is, is this danger real? Or is it imagined? You know what I mean? Is it true that if I go forward with this conversation, I'm going to get crushed by this strong personality? Probably not. That's imagined. Even if I do, it's just words. I can, I can walk away. They're not going to shoot me. If I choose to cross a street with a speeding semi just bearing down on me, but I think I can make it, and then I have second thoughts, that's a good fear. That's real danger. So we have to learn how to determine when the enemy brings things at us, is this really something to be afraid of? Is there actual danger? And I know for a lot of our, our fears, it's interpersonal stuff, right? We're you know, afraid to kind of kick off a conversation because we know it's going to be tough sledding or uh, confront someone or tell somebody about Jesus. And if, if we don't know which is which and walk in the truth, um, the enemy will have something. We will vote yes for the devil. Yep, I backed down and I shouldn't have. What does truth encounter? Truth encounters lies, misconceptions, false realities, things that aren't real. One of the most common false realities, I think, that's prevalent today, it's kind of in our culture, this is a social kind of thing where... Um, for some reason, a lot of people bought into the idea that they're a victim, that they're being mistreated by a, a large part of the population simply because they're a certain color, certain gender, certain preference. And um, to me, that's a false reality. It's a battle that can't ever be won. I mean, you can, and that's the thing about the devil. He'll get you wrapped around something like a piece of carpet string around your vacuum cleaner just wearing yourself out on something you cannot possibly win because it's not true God made us to be personally responsible for our successes and our failures and in fact if you're a believer he's given us everything we need for life and godliness so that's just kind of a little snapshot of how the belt of truth 
will keep the enemy away. If you don't get suckered into things that aren't true, if you don't vote yes for something that's questionable at best. And the second piece of armor that he mentions is righteousness. And I call it declared righteousness. Because you could think this is um, when I'm perfect and I'm failure-proof, that's when I'm defended against by the wiles of the enemy. No. This is a declared righteousness because the word, original word actually means, oh, look at that. Wait, the breastplate first, it's called the thorax. I think that's an English word, don't you? Yeah, it's everything from the neck to the navel. I like that. Okay, so it's the, kind of this area. But again, this is figurative language. There, there's nothing, there's like no brains in this part of your body. You know, so it's not like he's, yeah, he's attacking our hearts, but even our heart is not our spirit. That's not our soul. It's just, that's an organ. But nevertheless, Paul is using this imagery so we know like the, the center of our being, the most important part of us, our, our torso, which is our like life and death. If this thing goes bad, everything goes bad, kind of like our brain. But he says, a breastplate of righteousness, diakios, innocent, faultless, guiltless. One of the most effective tools of the enemy is his accusations and his condemnation. Wouldn't you say? When I'm feeling accused, I just become a chicken, man. Or I become really defensive. Or I start counterpunching because I'm feeling accused. And so relationships go south really fast. And then instead of peace and harmony, there's strife, which James says brings along with it every other evil thing because I'm just feeling accused right now. So we have to be careful. If I'm feeling accused and somehow, somehow diminished, either it's in my brain or in a conversation with someone else, and I'm feeling diminished, what I've just done is taken off my declared righteousness and I've accepted this idea that I am less than. I am not acceptable, I'm not lovable, my failures are too large for, for God's mercy or for your friendship or for your acceptance. I, I'm now just buying into the whole fact that I, I'm just not worthy. And so the defense against that is the understanding as in the beginning. Faith that what Jesus says about me is the truest of all. I am forgiven, I am perfect in his sight, without spot or wrinkle, every sin, past, present, future, has been forgiven and hung on the cross. If we can win that war, along with the accusation of condemnation, we will win about at least 50% of the battles with the devil. Because it's when we feel diminishes people that we become something we are not, something we were never meant to be. Groveling, codependent, weepy, and clingy, and needy. And we've all been there, right? So we need to make sure we're thinking, okay, Jesus sees me as, yeah, you know what? I had a failure this morning. But that doesn't mean I don't have the responsibility, the right, and the privilege for sharing Jesus with my neighbor this afternoon. Condemnation accusation would like me to say, oh, you got you to be clean for like three or four days, man, before, you know, you witness again. It also happens with prayer. I can, there's no way I could be praying now, man, because, whew. That thing's like an hour old. God, God's got to like see that I'm really, I'm really, really love him, really love you, Lord. Please listen to me now. No, you've fallen for a lie that diminishes the power of the blood of Jesus and his declared righteousness. The shield, breastplate rather, of righteousness. 
These two, I think, are probably the most, I think, the most crucial of defensive weapons, the truth and his declared righteousness over and about you. They're all important. We all have different vulnerabilities, different spots in our lives that are weaker than others, where there's a, what they call a chink in our armor, a little break spot. But we've got to walk in the truth and the faith that what he says about us is true. Those are just two. So we did a lot of intro stuff, two of the weapons, and then we'll dig more into the other four in the next couple of weeks. So learn to be in Christ and envision what that means. And if you need to go through the motions of strapping on your armor every day, and just, it just helps you visualize the reality of what the Word says about you, go ahead and do that. I'm not, not poo-pooing that at all. I've done that many times myself. But it's important you recognize this is a, a literal battle generally right here. Not figurative. You don't have to be a hero to win. You just got to stand your ground and know the truth. Amen. Yeah. Amen. So, Father, thank you so much for the freedom that we have in Christ to actually receive and apply what is true, Lord. We don't have to spend years in Bible school to figure this out or to earn your acceptance, your love, your authority. I thank you it was handed to us the moment we said yes to Jesus. So, Father, help this family of believers to become dedicated to preserving the territory we've been given, defending what you've done in us, Lord, against the schemes, the methods of the devil. Help us recognize that when we're about to choose to walk along a path with him and make us partners so that we can say, stop. Lord, remind us that we don't have to plead for help so much as we need to just say what's true by faith, thanking you, Lord, that what you say about us is true, and that's why I'm not going to fall. So help us to embrace the armor you've given us, Father. And we look forward to a victorious week, even starting today. In Jesus' mighty name. Amen? Amen. 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 Well, may God bless you. Enjoy your day. Have fun in the sun. Thanks, Alex. And thank you, Lord, for your unconditional love. Perhaps you know someone who is in need of this message as well. Sharing these recorded teachings with a friend will always bring joy to Jesus. And more importantly, it will bring joy to them. Well, until next time, may God bless and keep you. Here's Pastor Kevin. Do you ever have thoughts about your purpose in life? Have you accepted Christ as your Lord and Savior? Or maybe you walked away and it's time to come home. You know, really our walk with God is about a personal relationship with Him. That's what He wants. I believe that's what we want. I encourage you to take a few moments and allow this message to sink in. Allow His Holy Spirit to speak to your heart. You know, the Bible says that if we draw close to Him, that He will draw close to us. So do that today. God bless.